Hey friends, welcome back. Uh, we've got another episode and a little bit of a deep dive. Um, for those of you who've been brought in by this title thinking I'm talking about the Quentin Tarantino film, back out now, back out now, or actually, um, I'm sorry if your speakers were set really high there. Um, I'm basically just telling you uh, to back out essentially because um, we're actually talking about the historical view of the Grindhouse feature. What that is, um, you know, essentially it's, we're going to try to determine that because it, it reaches various definitions. But with this particular opener to me, which I have seen on various films, uh, some of which have been discussed on this very podcast, um, it, you know, it starts with this kind of theme or opener in the very beginning credits. So without further ado... Just totally gets you amped for whatever you're about to watch, right? Um, I, I, I don't know. There's just something about it. And the worst part, it's not even a flippin' ringtone. iTunes, hurry up and fix that. Like, I will actually pay you money for that opener. But anyways, anyways, a little bit before we dive into the topic, um, I hope all of you are well, and I hope this reaches each and every single one of you in a wonderful moment of comfort. Um, you know, and you were driving along the coast and me yelling earlier, you know, coast, any road actually, you know, just driving essentially, and, um, you know, you veered off or something awful. But either way... Um, life's good on my end. I mean, heck, ever since Game of Thrones, we've had the premiere of Aladdin, which I thought would be the one thing I would hate over Game of Thrones. And you know what? On the scale of entertainment, Aladdin, Disney, well done. I actually enjoyed it. Will Smith, you were as bad as I thought. Yeah, I, it's like, you know, a fresh pin, Prince of Bel-Air meets Genie. It's kind of cool. Um, so... I know this is a horror podcast and I'm a horror fan. I'm talking about Aladdin, but this is nostalgia here for me, people. Yes, I'm that old for you young listeners. Um, but essentially, you know, had to check it out, had to see what it was all about. And it's it's fairly decent. Now, total flip side, you know, able to watch Aladdin at the same time, tuning into that HBO's Chernobyl. Jesus flipping age Christ, people. If you have not started watching this show, Pause this podcast because it's probably going to be a lengthy one. Pause it, watch that, return back because it. Everyone needs to see this. This is in f- fucking incredible. I just I have no words to describe it. Well written, well shot, well acted, everything. And then there's this awesome podcast that also is going along with it. And this is not at all any sort of anything. I'm just a huge fan of it because it it's from the creator and writer. So those of you watching. Listen to his podcast because it totally helps you just put everything together, lets you know what's actually historical, what isn't. His artistic choices is just so cool. So back into Grindhouse. <laughs> um, essentially, where to begin? Well, essentially, we're going to start with the, the production of the actual film camera itself. So we're looking right with Edison and the invention of the camera. Um, and this is the start of the 20th century. It's the start of film. And the joke, apparently in Hollywood, is exploitation started five minutes later. Um, and it goes hand in hand. So, you know, essentially, we, the human race, 
are a sick group of people. We are. And before films were even made, you can look at theater, you can look at the gladiators, you can see that people, executions even, you can see people gathered to watch horrible stuff. Um, and essentially, once film created, it was sort of a safe avenue to explore this. So you're asking, yeah, how did how did I put this together? Why 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 this cast? What what why Grindhouse? How did you figure like what what is this? What all these questions? Sorry, my mind is just buzzing. Um, and essentially, as I was saying, that opener I've seen on numerous films, and I had to figure out what gives you that opener. Because I've seen other horror films from that time. You don't see that at the beginning of, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street or, uh, you know, Friday the 13th. Uh, essentially, this is sort of a little darker avenue of Hollywood um, that's just kind of existed in the shadows. And it's really, really cool. And w where I'm getting this information, gotta honor my source. I'm looking at the film American Grindhouse from 2010. Great documentary with some of horror's finest and some stuff I did not know. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Um, but just quickly before we dive into that, I have to pay homage to the guys who helped me put this together. So we're just going to quickly listen to the trailer. The joke goes that as soon as the movie camera was invented, exploitation started like five seconds later. Blow your brain down! Blow your Everybody was really excited about the movie, which was great, because when I read the script, I thought it was just horrible. I, in those days, you know, rent was 85 bucks a month and I couldn't make it, and I had ball tires in my car and no gasoline in it anyway, so I'm just a broke guy walking around Hollywood. The first phase of our operation will be to remove the Messiah. I never wanted to write the great American movie. Exploitation basically means there's an element you can exploit. It's something to take advantage of. In promotion, it's, it's a hook to get them into the theater. We're at the Bougieu Theater, where it's been reported that a man has gone berserk while watching a double feature horror program. No one admitted except at the beginning. I'm happy to join the management of this theater. You will take an unforgettable journey down deep into the dungeons of hell. Why was this girl chosen to be tortured? This motion picture is a vicious expose of a part of the young generation. I'm going to give you the time of your life, baby. Scenes of such brutal honesty will be shown on this screen. Attention, hungry housewives. A mixture of tender romance and pornographic realism. If you're smart, you keep away from prostitutes and pickups. They're not safe. And they can't be made safe. That's a good These pictures all have a lot to say, and they're all very interesting. Most of them are shit, but every so often there's a good one. So look at that, screwed up the first quote already. But um, I guess it's just my Canadian innocence being applied there. You know, I'd like to think that Hollywood wouldn't be that corrupted, but then again, it's America. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, so diving into it, 
the film's great. And guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is just me scratching at the surface of what is a web of very interesting, very graphic films and um, graphic using in the sense of so many different things, violence, sex, drugs, rock and roll, everything we love. Um, it's, yeah, it's, there's something else. And it's fascinating. It's some of the films we've talked about, Cannibal Holocaust, um, Cannibal Furox, uh, those are just two of very many. And I mean, that's the, the cannibal exploitation films coming out of Italy. The, we're going to talk about others going through this, um, but it's, it's fascinating stuff. So, as I said, um, you know, we're starting right off at the beginning of the 20th century, essentially. And with this full feature film um, from P.T. Barnum, um, Barnum and his um, film Traffic and Souls. A um, whole lot of different themes here. And with early cinema, it's really interesting how deep you can really look at these movies. Um, and essentially, this is the first time we're seeing violence on camera. There's guns. There's shooting. It's a like bank robbery. You know, it's over the top. So people wanted more so te- uh, talkies are quickly on the horizon and uh we're dealing with a pre-code hollywood what do you mean by that Cass? what does pre-code mean this is hollywood with no restrictions there's no rating system there's no you can't do this you can do that there's no screening it before the film goes ahead of time and editing the director the writer you wanted to show it you could get actors to do it you could show it. So we are seeing things you just will not believe. It's almost crazy. It's like stuff that essentially we would only exist today. Um, from nudity to violence, drugs, the whole shebang. Um, and this caused Hollywood essentially be seen as a depraved demon. Um, and what we would see happen from here is that the movies essentially would be evil vile everything and anything coming from hollywood was evil and vile so hollywood ends up hiring will hayes um president creator and enforcer of the new hollywood code and these films are essentially going to change things and this is when things are going to break off so we've got mainstream hollywood and if you can imagine it's just a straight line going across and then our exploitation films are going to come in and they are as i said existing in the shadow behind mainstream hollywood so what can you really separate these two at that time? I mean, you have Dracula, Frankenstein coming out. Wouldn't they technically be the grindhouse? Doesn't the whole masses can't want to see this? No, that's not true. In fact, Universal was a huge, profitable studio at the time. Um, and they were the major, major guns. So essentially, you want to see a grindhouse film from that era. We're looking at the film freaks um i don't know if you've heard of it i don't know if you've seen it but it's pretty flipping awesome um it's really unique and way before it's time so i'm not going to dive into that that's a whole other podcast of what freaks is but those of you who watched american horror story it's pretty much american horror story freak show um so the film um would end up costing mgm that studio a whole lot of money because it did not do well it freaked people out. It made people sick. It made people ill. It made them uncomfortable. And we see the birth of Grindhouse. So this film isn't really going to start coming back out until 
later on, probably around the 1940s and 50s, when Dwayne Esper, who's going to be another huge name in the exploitation circuit, is going to re-release it. Um, and it's just sad that, you know, people weren't ready to watch that because it's they're just real people. It's just, you know, they are more unique in in a certain way. You know, that's literally all it is. But times are different. So the depression rages on and exploitation films will do really well. It's kind of interesting how you can look at what's going on historically and what's coming out in Hollywood at the time and kind of how they base off each other. It's it's a whole other podcast. Uh, like I said, guys, this is just the surface of a huge, huge topic. Um, and uh, <clears throat> essentially, you know, Hollywood's uh, psychiatry, all of this could be looked at in a really unique thesis that I, someone much smarter than me could put together. It'd be very fascinating. Um, but anyways, so we're in the middle of the depression and the film Maniac comes out based on Edgar Allan Poe's Black Cat. Um, and only certain theaters would play this. This was really kind of against the Hollywood code in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, essentially because of this, Grindhouse would only be seen in some of the slimiest, dirtiest theaters. And this is why it's going to have the term that they do, because they are put in the slimy districts of, you know, the main huge cities. Um, one An example of which would be 42nd Street in New York. These are where you're going to find your strip clubs. These are where you're going to find your porno theaters. These are where you're going to find your burlesque shows. And right in beside it, you're going to find the mom and pop theater that's willing to show some pretty vile, disgusting, horror, wonderful stuff. (laughs) So um, essentially, these grimy theaters are being held up, these little tents, whatever you want to call it. The films are being shown and people have a love, a fascination for it, and they're willing to come into these neighborhoods to see it. So in the 30s, we see a huge fascination with true crime. Um, But at the same time, people were hungry for information. Um, So it's kind of interesting that the films would kind of take this total different path and become kind of a documentary exploitation film. So one of which would be the story of life because of Eve. Um, This film is literally a movie about childbirth. It is the who, what, where, when, why, how, everything. We're looking at a time when fathers weren't allowed in the delivery room. So this was fascinating stuff to people. And the, American Grindhouse does a great job of showing you one of the worst scenes um, and totally brought back flashbacks to my grade nine science class. Um, But, you know, essentially people wanted to see the miracle of life um, and the terrors of it all as well, which is kind of creepy. So this kind of genre would end up doing really well. You'd see another film come out and be very successful called Sex and Hygiene. Um, And essentially this is like something we all probably watched in gym class. Um, You know, it's STDs, blah, 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 and your doctor says, don't do this, protective sex, all all that kind of information. Um, see, it's been a long time since I've watched one of these, so obviously I, I'm not quoting it properly, prob- probably. Um, but <clears throat> these films, people wanted that information, as bizarre as it sounds. Um, so I guess, you know, we're not living in a time where you could easily Google it or go to the library. Hell, you couldn't really ask a parent... You couldn't ask someone you cared about. This is a kind of a different time. These things are very shunned upon. So go to the dirty theater to watch it. And 
funny enough, these kind of things would exist as well. Some, you know, interesting sort of violent true crime films along that era. And then we're going to pop up into around 1945, 1950. So mainstream Hollywood is dealing with what is known as the film noir genre. Um, and that's this because they can't really show you sex. So it's this weird kind of like cut off, um, you know, or like it pans to the fire. Basically sex is implied. And, um, What's Grindhouse doing? Well, they're just playing heavy adult themes with really no qualms about it. So at this time, Hollywood essentially, you know, we still have our, our, our regular system and code, um, but they're not willing to move on to the next step. But of course, our Grindhouse films are. And exploitation is going to take the next step, basically looking at it as, you know, film is a profit. And just as they were saying in the trailer, you know, you can market it properly. So perversion is for profit. And that is essentially Grindhouse's main backbone, I feel like, a lot of the time. So after World War II, we are dealing with a time when sex was a little more normalized. It's post a time when you saw pinup girls. So burlesque, even striptease was kind of like artistic in a way. I mean, Marilyn Monroe is on her way just about to sort of make the, the forefront. So history's own favorite at the time would be Betty Page. And it's kind of sad and sort of brilliant for the filmmaker at the same time. Um, he would use her image as well as the other ladies, of the pinups of the time and film them. Therefore, making their image and their shows available to everybody in a sim simple, simple flick of a switch to play the projector. Where before they were doing live theater and you know, it was a treat to see them. So essentially you're going to see their decline once, once their films are being released. Now they did pave the way, as I was saying for Monroe. So, you know, thank you, you know, to all those ladies. Um, it's, uh, but essentially, you know, it, it was, it's kind of sad. And I, I definitely felt someone watching the, um, <clears throat> Uh, documentary looking at that information and, and just seeing it so um moving on here uh you know we're into the post-war the baby boomer era and we're seeing a very interesting kind of post-war activism um and people just like I said people are more comfortable so we're seeing naked people on screen for the first time but again no sex you're not allowed to see that so all of a sudden this new kind of film genre took over of this like nudist nudie films um almost a, a thing being called the nudie cuties and it's literally just innocent stories involving naked women um very bizarre to me personally um i mean i guess there are naked men and women um and just kind of targeted to a younger audience I guess you could look at it as sort of empowering for women at the time, because I mean, this is gonna. This is a time when the female body is kind of shamed. So very interesting to see a film, you know, and that sort of be a main main theme or genre. But whole other podcast, whole other woman's degree theme. Again, another person much smarter than I could go into that that sort of detail. So. um we see these nudie cutie films, you know, taking over and, um, essentially it's weird though. You know, they couldn't really show sex. So they tried to translate it to film in a whole other different way. And 
it's interesting that all of a sudden we see these more accepting films of like heavy teenage petting coming up in the fifties. And that's going to be with James Dean, you know, rebel without a cause, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's a whole other shift in teenage, the teenage demographic, what teenagers were, what they are. I mean, we have teens with disposable incomes for the first time. Um, they're angry, you know, and it's, interesting that the films kind of show that you know stick it to the man all that sort of thing and they would be these biker films would kind of be an exploitation and mean uh hollywood theme but both of them would kind of grasp to it and and take off until we reach the 1960s where we're going to see a weird transition to what is known as the beach movies and to me they are bizarre messed up films i remember seeing clips of the simpsons showing like the old batmans or just flash to them like being on a beach dancing. Yeah, it's making fun of these films, which I had no idea existed. And they're just weird. I don't know what stories it is. If it's like, you know, I got to get the girl and they have some weird party at the beach and that's it. But it, I don't know. I just wanted like something from Jaws, like one of them to go in the water and get bit. But it, they just, they're so odd. Um, But I guess, and one of the guys in the Grindhouse film points out that it's wholesome tits and ass. That's literally all this is. And, um, you know, it's it's just totally bizarre to me. They just have no theme, so I don't even care. You know, tits and ass, either way. Stupid film and a waste of 90 minutes. Now, you know, we're exploring films in this area, and essentially we're seeing the, also the birth of the drive-in films. And they are pretty much shit. We've all heard that, drive-in movies, that that kind of term. You know, but it, just as I said in that trailer, the occasional one could be a gem. The occasional one is good. One of which, to me, which will always hold a spot in my heart, The Blob, the original. It is just such a perfect bullshit film. Um, now, through all of this, you know, there seems to be a real, a real dark theme kind of running through Hollywood. And... This dark theme, this kind of sexual frustration, if you will. You know, we can't show sex. So what do they decide to explore? A film genre known as the roughies. Really would not hold a very strong place in today's Me Too society. Um, but these films, you know, basically just contrast the entire time with women being dominated by men. And the Grindhouse documentary film just shows you a lot of like gratuitous scenes of like women being beaten so I don't really know if these ruffies have any sort of plot line whatsoever um but if that's not the case it just fucked so um I mean they're born from the BDSM magazines of the era and essentially you know culture was getting violent We've got a lot of shit going on in the news and a lot of stuff about to come up. But <clears throat> we're going to talk about another film, to me, that explores this darker theme in a much better way than these roughies ever could. Now, these films, they're showing women in, in a submissive role and, you know, it's essentially kind of sad well not kind of sad it is sad um and you know we would essentially go on from these kind of genres or this genre into something you know i guess to me delightful to others awful 
Um, and guys, it's that lovely four-letter word. We're talking about gore. Um, so as much as I don't agree with the Ruffy films, if it wasn't for them, I we could not celebrate Saw, Hostel, some of the films that literally got me into what I'm doing today. So um, the gore film is born um, and essentially it's very interesting. Um, and we're looking at two films spe- specifically that kind of bore this entire genre, Blood Feast and 2000 Maniacs. And they are both from the brilliant mind, Herschel Gordon Lewis, um, definitely before his time. Because some people like him, other people hate him. I mean, this guy literally went to his butcher and was buying entrails for the film. And yes, I have told you, George A. Romaro did a very similar thing. But his was just zombies eating it. Uh, Herschel would come up with the idea of using, you know, a cow tongue, putting it in a person's mouth and pretending to have it ripped out to really make an audience unsettled and, you know, sick to their stomach. And it works. It's even, it's applicable now. It works even very well to this day. So, um, essentially, you know, Herschel showed us gore, um, and we'd see this switch as I feel a switch go off in cinema. Um, and it's long since been activated. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like he's the one that kind of switched Hollywood to a violent enjoyment of film. I feel like that trophy had already been handed over to Alfred Hitchcock's psycho. And you can hear my earlier podcast um, and a full review, you know, about the marketing techniques, as before mentioned. It's a big part of the Grindhouse um, definition. Um, But, you know, Hitch broke a lot of barriers with this film and showed a lot of things. And if you know funding all of that, it basically is a Grindhouse feature, arguably enough. Um, And it's kind of interesting. So, you know... I'd love to hear from anyone. Reach out to me. You know, what are your thoughts? Do you feel Psycho was the main hit to kind of show us a violent path? Or is it the uh, films of uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis and Blood Feast 2000 Maniacs? So into the 60s we go and we see another change in Hollywood's code. And this is kind of the same thing we see today. The rating system, G, PG, and so on. Um, And we're dealing with a very interesting change in culture. I mean, this is the hippie era and it is raging on. And so film's going to be kind of the counterculture. They are showing us everything that the hippie era is doing. Drugs, free love, you name it. Um, And this is all seen in the film Easy Rider, but it's not really a horror film per se, so we're not really going to talk about it too, too much. Um, But at the same time, dealing with Vietnam and seeing, you know, for the first time, like war on the news and Wes Craven's going to explore this whole other idea with the exploitation film, The Last House on the Left. And another one, you can listen to my earlier podcast. Um, but it's so gritty, so violent, unlike anything seen before. Um, and it's sort of a, a switch of like, what could the film industry show next? I mean, literally you're watching live girls have their entrails ripped out. Ugh. And essentially, you know, Hollywood, it's a business and they are looking to make money. So they are watching the income coming in from these earlier films and things just, well, they kind of went nuts right into the seventies. We're dealing with, and I always seem to pronounce this wrong, black, ugh, black poetation films. 
Um, and I'm not very familiar with these, um, so I don't really want to dive into it too, too much. Um, but they're really fascinating to me. Um, you know, we're dealing with what some people argue are racist stereotypes. Others argued from what I could see in some of the readings and some of the thought process is actually celebrating black culture. So personally, I would have to dive into it more to figure out where my thought lies. Um, but the little bit they show you in American Grindhouse, um, it seems a very interesting genre and almost like superheroes of the time. Um, so really, really cool to me. Now, total flip. And you could argue this is kind of also like a like pro-female film. Or, well, one specifically... Ugh, Cass, read your notes. Anyways, we're going to see a total flip. And it's essentially dealing with evil, evil, evil things. And we're going to see the Nazi exploitation films. You know, blood and guts couldn't get more violent. Let's toss in some Nazis. Now, this film in particular, you could argue, is kind of a, like, pro-female film. Uh, Elsa and the Wolf of the SS. Um, it is a total piece of shit film. Um, basically just parading naked women um, to an extent. But we have, like, a main female villain, which is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah. It's Nazis. And it just... When you see these, they just look so dumb. There's one even in the American Grindhouse feature that shows them trying to take out um, Jesus. And it's just, like, so silly. So, it's kind of funny, you know, how periods of unrest um, historically show some of the best film has to offer. And even in the Grindhouse era, I mean, there's so many we could talk about... Um, one, and I can't remember the name, but I've talked about it previously, has an Italian title. And essentially, we're dealing with like a female sex fiend who has a mental um, uh, disability that essentially makes her feel that she is five, but she's a nymphomaniac and her father has to chase her down. And like this, it, it's so over the top, but the, it's it's hilarious. It, it's so worth watching. Um, as well as another, um, sorry guys, I'm a total hook on the it Italian exploitation films as you know now one of which and i have to play you guys a trailer it is a total flip and something we will dive into on another podcast i promise so hold on we're gonna listen to the trailer of the new york ripper
Because you're not a police officer, are you? I wouldn't think of it. Anyway, uh, my name's Rosie. Yeah, it's a lot more convenient than a bicycle. It's great on Staten Island. Sorry, wrong clip loaded, but still effective. Still effective. That is the New York Ripper from Lucio Fulci. Another big name in the grindhouse <clears throat> circuit and another huge name out of Italy. Um, and a fucked up film. Bet you guys didn't hear the Donald Duck voice coming. Um, it's worth watching. And especially when he calls the police station and harasses them. It's just fucking hilarious um anyways back to what i was saying i mean these films are some of the most bizarre pieces of crap um but at the same time you know as they said in aladdin you will find a diamond in the rough um and it's just they're just so awesomely gross and disgusting i just love it pardon me so it's kind of interesting this is a point where hollywood kind of sees how much money exploitation does, sees that even though it's low budget, people still want to see it. So you kind of see all of a sudden major Hollywood grasp onto this. We have a code now. They can show this stuff. So Jaws kind of fits the definition of an exploitation film, but it's big budget Hollywood. So this is kind of where all of a sudden things break off. So where does exploitation lead us, you wonder? And I wondered myself, and guess what, guys? Leads to porn. Didn't see that one coming. I definitely didn't at all. When I started down this deep hole, I did not see myself basically leading to pornography. But that's it. That's basically where it went and into the deep dives of some pretty horrible stuff. So Hollywood, you know, Basically, we have breaking, broken off into what is, you know, kind of a rated system of straight to video now, you know, straight to iTunes, straight to um, download release. Hell, you could put it up on YouTube, you know. It, we don't have these uh, sort of release systems that you have um, or these guys had set into place. But essentially, you know, the one thing... It, you don't see anymore these kind of gummy theaters because if you want to see this stuff, the infinite, lovely internet can bring it to you. Um, but yeah, that's where, where are we? Like about 40 minutes in guys. And I basically led you down the deep hole of porn. So crazy, you know, just kind of neat. Altogether, I'm so happy each and every single one of you stuck on to listen through this. It's a pretty 
dry topic in a way, but very exciting stuff. And like I said, it is just the surface we looked at today. If I have intrigued you in any way, I highly recommend you check out American Grindhouse, see some of these clips, watch these guys deep dive into these films because it is awesome. I mean, it's 40 years later and these films, 40 years, 50, 60 years later, fuck, almost 100 years later, and these films are still hugely prevalent themes that are very, very important and definitely, definitely prevalent in today's society. I would argue that 110%. Um, And it just, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, these classic motifs, they still stand strong. And um, I just... I can't say enough. I'm just, as as you guys can hear in my voice, probably, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for these films as kooky and as crazy and as awful as they can be. There is, for every 10 bad ones, there is one incredible one. So guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Um, You make it so worth it. Just all of you, every single one of you. Um, If you want to say hi, you know, just let me know you were listening. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram and or Twitter or, you know what, swing by, see what I'm up to because I always try to keep you up to date on what's going on in my fun, exciting life. So I think. <laughs> and um, if, you know, you're feeling eager, definitely leave a, re- a review on iTunes. Allows things to um, basically bump my uh, podcast up, The Scare Review, so more people can hear my annoying voice through their earbuds and or other devices. And uh, just quickly before we go, guys, got to reach out again to Beardly.Designs. The guy is flipping awesome, coolest designs ever, and just made some of the cutest bracelets ever. Have you guys seen them? You'll float too. It's just too cute. Um, so um, as always, guys, thank you. If any of you have a suggestion, a film you want me to cover, there is just so much media out there recently. Um, and yeah, love to hear from what you guys love to hear from you guys and love to hear what you're watching. So definitely reach out to me. Uh, so thanks, guys, and uh, as always, keep calm, stay creepy. <laughs>